0: wonderfully made that God made you not accidentally not to be accepted not to be tolerated but to be fully celebrated in who you are in all that you are and all of the things that have been frightening to say to the world Mm -hmm. and all of the things that the world may have told you were off or not enough God says I did that on purpose (laughs) I did that on purpose the world will not know me until they know you Each one of you is an extraordinary Christmas gift that God made for the world to know who God is. And we want to know you too. So this is a special day. On Pride Sunday, we like to have all the testimonies because testimony is the best part. So we're doing a uh, panel sermon with uh, people with a variety of experiences in our community to share them with you, to share where they're at. And so I'd invite them forward now. Zoe Sheets, Ray Darrow, Jackie Neal, and John Cordero Riccio, come on down. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, so first, because each one of you is a gift to us, we'd love to know who you are. So if you could share with the community your name and anything else that you'd like to tell them about what's up with
1: you.
2: Sure, so my name is Zoe Sheets. Um, I've been coming to UVC for a few years. I um, came to UVC originally through the Inclusive Collective, which is our affiliate campus ministry that is housed at UIC, um, and I identify as bisexual.
3: My name is Jackie Neal. I've been going to UVC for about five years now, I think. Um, I identify as lesbian. I prefer she, her as my pronouns. Um, I'm also a physician, a rehabilitation doctor who works at a VA hospital, and so I see lots of different kinds of people all the time.
1: <laughs> I'm Ray. I use they, them pronouns. Um, I sought out UVC a couple years ago when we moved here from. California, and it's kind of like this magical space that I didn't expect to find in Chicago, Um, so...
4: Um, I didn't turn it on. Sorry. Um, <laughs> uh, I know. Um, also, I uh, I serve on the uh, board of directors for the Chicago Bridge Project. Um, and uh, I don't know if I mentioned, but this is my third year here at UBC, and and I found it, and uh, I you know I'm in love with this place. So this is home.
1: Amen. Yeah.
0: We do all have um, so many stories and so many identities that are a part of us, and so I encourage you all, as that comes up, to, to bring that up, too. So thank you for sharing that, John. We'll start our first question with you, John. Uh, what does pride mean to you?
4: Um, so just piggybacking off of what, um, what I just said, um, you know, uh, being gay is not just my – it's not my only identity. Um, pride to me is embracing all of my identities um, and knowing that um, – you know, who I am is not because somebody messed up, um, because my parents did something wrong. Um, pride to me is uh, knowing that that God made me who I am, and, um, you know, I, I'm i just so thankful that I found this community to, you know, embrace that and, and, and help me with, with that process. Um, and, you know, to be able to go out and, and share um, what UBC means to me um, is the epitome of pride for me.
1: Um, I would say that pride for me, it always resonates like that feeling of um, when I was younger and I didn't know any other masculine women or effeminate men. And it was kind of like this time when they might show someone on TV that I could see and feel like that life is going to be okay, (coughs) like I'm going to get older and there's going to be people that I can celebrate being me with um, and just it just meant a lot that they were out there and way before it was cool or you know that you could you could do that so
3: For me, right around this time of year, I always think about um, how pride came to develop and what happened um, in the very beginning when we first started having pride parades which were really protests and protests against um, all of the violence and all of the discrimination against um, the LGBT community and I was just saying to my wife I think yesterday or the day before I feel so thankful that I live in the time that I live in now because if we lived even 20 years ago we couldn't be married we couldn't be comfortably raising our family Um, and so I like to think about where we came from and where hopefully we're going and just be very thankful for what we have.
2: In a similar way, to me, pride means both celebration and resistance. I think um, there's a lot to celebrate about queerness and about different gender expressions and about the way the LGBTQ community um, shows up in the world. And I think there's a lot of the world that doesn't realize that yet. And so I think that pride is um, it's something that we embody more than just one Sunday, um, but it's also a Sunday where we can really say we're here and we're not going anywhere and we love ourselves um, and we know that God loves us too. Um, I also think that for me as a bisexual woman, there have been a lot of times that I have um, had both folks in the LGBTQ community and straight folks tell me that I am not gay enough or I'm not straight enough, I don't quite belong, I'm in this weird middle ground, I'm confused, I'm seeking attention, the list goes on. Um, And I think that specifically in this space that hasn't happened to me. And so I think doing pride in this space is a space where I can say um, I, I am bisexual and I love that I'm bisexual and I love the nuanced way it has taught me to look at the world and so I'm gonna celebrate that and I'm gonna have pride in that today.
0: Yeah. Um, uh, Yeah, but when I when I put my collar on, I get feisty. Um, That's how it goes. Uh, So I think then another question, getting to this sort of combination of this being a queer and queer inclusive space, of trying to be a space that's inclusive of all things. Although we are human and we fall short, we're also a church. What is the good news? I think this is a question that is difficult for us, uh, challenging for us, joyful for us. What is the good news to you? And also, anybody in the middle want to start?
3: <laughs> there, and it's um, adding on a little bit to what John Michael was saying. is If you look back in the Bible and read about um, Jesus and all of these acts that he's done, pretty much every single thing you read about is Jesus showing love to someone who's been discriminated against, someone who's the other. And Um, I, you know, being part of the LGBT community, sometimes it feels very much like that. And the good news for me is I can look back at those stories and really feel that, you know what, God loves everybody, no matter what, no matter who they are, God has chosen you and made you the way that you are. And I, you know, I think our community really embodies that and shares, and I really like, want to share that with the world. Um, And, I, I don't think you can have much better better news than that.
1: Um, this this was a really hard question for me, just because of how like the state of the world and the affairs that are happening with uh, the children that are being detained and their parents. And um, so I think for me, good news is like when um, w- kids here or my kids, um, when I see like the resilience of them yeah. and like kind of like. And and the loving nature of the, the ta- that's going on, like they just like love everyone and like trying to like foster this. Um, with Me and my wife trying to foster an environment for them where they um, they feel like they can continue to do that for their whole life, um, and not be like swayed into I guess what I would call darkness and being um, um, supporting like the, the the patriarchal horrible stuff that's happening so yeah that's it's not very good news, but it is good news. Yeah.
4: Um, I also struggled with this question um, just because um, some of you know the the background that 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 I you know uh, my upbringing um, and know that I come from a very traditional family um, so you know the Bible was always used to and not just the Bible but religion in general was always used um, to you know kind of um, made me not want to embrace who I was uh just because you know the the way um they use the Bible as a weapon um and I think you know that's what um that's what I really struggle with because i you know for for twenty seven years I grew up with with this belief that this is what God wanted me, and um, you know to, to get out of to get out of that it's very difficult for me um, so you know that that, that 's why I really struggled with this question because i don't i don't think I have an answer honestly um, because i 'm still in, in, in that um, in the process of, of really knowing what what the good news is um, and kind of you know getting rid of bad habits
1: mm-hmm.
2: yeah i when I started thinking about this question I was uh, also thinking about what is the good news we really need to cling to right now in the, in the time that we're in. Um, and the first thing that came to mind for me was just the, the foundational good news, right? That not only are we loved by God, but we were um, created by God in the exact way that we are. Um, And then I started thinking a little bit more about that concept of love. I think we we throw that word around a lot and we don't always unpack what that means and how that influences um, the way we interact with the world. Um, And I started thinking about the ways that being queer and being a part of the queer community has taught me about love and what it means to fight to love and what it means to love fully and what it means to love um, sometimes in fear and the way that that has impacted members of our community so deeply. And I thought about what Christianity has taught me about love um, and the incredible lessons that I've learned in this space and in other spaces, the examples I've seen of how not to love and also how to love really well. Um, and I realized that those two things combined were why I love the way I love, because those two things intersect, um, the ways that queerness and Christianity have taught me. They're not mutually exclusive types of love. They are um, a deeply intersecting kind of love that allows me to offer grace to others and myself in ways I think just being queer or just being Christian um, maybe wouldn't. And I think that's good news. Amen is there
0: any um, good news from or for the LGBTQ community that you think God wants to share?
4: As far, uh, what, you know, just, just going off of uh, my, my last answer again, I, I spent 27 years really um, trying to figure out who I was, you know, and um, it's... Uh, you know, before I came out, I, I, I read stories about people coming out, and, um, you know, I thought it, there was just one way of coming out, and that's it. You know, but um, unfortunately, that's not the case. And uh, it's a process, and, and um, you know, for, for me, I want – I wish I had somebody that I can look up to when, when I was growing up that, that, can, that could tell me that it's going to be okay, you know, that, um, you know, it's not going to be easy. Um But you know at the end of the day um you're going to learn to love yourself um i it, It's taken me a really long time to to get to this point um and um, i want you know I want to send that message out to somebody you know that 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 may be um, you know that that may not know where they're at or what you know or may have some questions about their sexuality and and you know to let them know that it's okay. You know, you're you're gonna come out the other end with um, with a lot of scars, you know, both internal and, and external. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, it's 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 gonna be fine.
2: Um, I think uh, something I want to share from the LGBTQ community. Um, Emma and I were talking this morning out in the lobby. Um, we were watching kids walk in, and we said. You know, I I, I said, I love seeing kids here. It makes my heart smile, and Emma said... Um, I can't. I can't. Like I, I love seeing them grow up here. I can't imagine that. Um, and I said, Yeah, I can't imagine how much differently I would feel about who I am and my identities had I grown up in a space like this. And I think that that's something that's really true um, of of the queer community. I think that's something we have to offer is this this um, process, as you said, of of learning how to fully embrace who we are. And I think that that process of learning to embrace queerness, um, applies to other identities too. Um, So I am chronically ill and disabled and I don't look it and it is often um, erased in the same way that my bisexuality is erased. And so I think that the experience of being queer has taught me so much about the experience of being disabled and vice versa. And so I think that that is just Um, An awesome piece of good news that the queer community has to offer is this um, important lesson, this important life experience of learning about yourself and learning how to pull all those pieces of yourself out into the world. Um, As John Michael said, learning how to strip the masks away and be fully present. Um, And then to the queer community, I just want to say, I, I'm not in a lot of spaces where bisexuality gets centered, um, so if you are in this room and you identify as bisexual, I just want to say that you are valid, and I see you, and you are not <laughs> you are not caught in the middle, you are not confused, you will not pick a side one day, you are fully bisexual, and that is beautiful. Um, yeah. Yeah,
0: girl. Yeah. Also, on the... The kids thing, I also think about that every time I see children in this space. And one of the things I think about is something that I've said to some of you, which is um, in this moment, in this time, given our history as the church, a lot of what we do here is like unlearning and healing. And I'm not sure we even know what it's gonna feel like when there's a generation that just learned the first time (laughs) that like the first church they ever went to was this one how different the love and the confidence will feel. Um, I, I don't think we even can understand like what that's going to be like, and I think it's going to be really extraordinary. It's so yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: I'm just going to add on to what you're saying is, and what Ray was saying too, is children are amazing. And yeah. um, raising, I have two girls. I have a six-year-old and a two-year-old, and so we spend a lot of time talking about how God loves everybody, and we love everybody no matter what. Um, and kind of, talking about what to say when someone asks you where your dad is, Um, because I would never want my daughter to feel other like, you know, I felt. And so when Addie, my oldest, was about three years old, she had her first experience with someone asking her, one of her friends that she had, you know, known since she was a baby, well, why don't you have a daddy? And she just right out some some kids have two moms, some kids have two dads, some kids have a mom and a dad. And her friend just goes, oh, okay, and we just moved on. And the whole time, yeah. We were in the car, so I could kind of see what was happening in the rearview mirror, but um, my heart just stopped, like, what is going to be happening, right? And it was just passed, like, no big deal. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, there is hope. <laughs> there is hope for us, so...
1: Yeah,
0: <laughs> okay. Is there anything that has helped you along the journey? Anybody's stories, anything you've seen that you want to share with the community?
1: Um, I read Stonebush Blues, I think like my first year of college. Stone Butch Blues by Leslie Feinberg. Um, and it was just like this process of like seeing that, um, I guess I should have uh, prefaced with this that I identify as non-binary and seeing that like things are not um, black and white. Like I didn't have to like necessarily decide today what I'm gonna, who I'm gonna be that I could just kind of like evolve in a process of becoming myself, not necessarily becoming um, a man or a woman. Um, so yeah, that was the b- first book I read that like really resonated and made me feel like a person. Yeah. <laughs> uh uh it's about uh a kid that's par- my parents were great parents but the the kid's parents weren't very nice to them and like everybody treated them poorly because the the child was more the female ident uh the afab child was um more masculine, and so then as they grow up, they you know find feminine women that they um, you know can can date, but they're kind of like, who am I? Who, what am I doing? Like, and then the factory work that happened like in the 60s and 70s, and they would work with men, but they were definitely not treated like men, um, and just kind of like sorting through privileges as well, like knowing like when I'm accepting that privilege or not accepting, but when I'm getting that privilege and that.
3: Repeat the question
0: again, Hannah. <laughs> is, are there any, um, is there anybody's stories or anything that has helped you along the journey that you want to share with the, with the group? Yeah. Queer
2: acts. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, no. yeah. oh. Tips and tricks for queer living. Yeah. Um, for me, so I um, do a lot of organizing work and a lot of activism work centered around disability justice, um, and I think that that's deeply intersected with all, ki- all of the kinds of justice. Um, But in the disability justice world, we um, talk a lot about the foundations of our movement, because the disability justice movement wasn't founded until 2005, um, so it's super recent, and that's super not okay, but also great that it started. and so the women that started that movement, um, their stories, and the more I've learned about them, um, they are two queer women of color. And because the movement's so recent, I'm learning, uh, like, I chat with one of them on Instagram, um, and that's just, like, amazing to me. <laughs> and so their stories have been really influential in the way that I have seen the ways my identities intersect um, and how queerness and disability um, live out in the world and also they're just their immense bravery um, has fueled me and they have they they understand how vulnerable the work is so they put out um, guides and messages about how to cope with the like not so great moments of doing the work um, so their stories have been really helpful and then also just the stories of the people in this space and the inclusive collective um, it wasn't until I met Rich Havard that I knew that um, queer Christian people existed. Um, so the first, the first time I got coffee with him, and I said, you're telling me I can actually be queer and Christian? And he looked up and said, well, I'm a gay pastor, so, yeah. <laughs> and, For sure. And so it's the stories of people um, that are in my everyday lived experience that are um, teaching me and helping me learn about myself and allowing me to um, teach as well.
4: Um. When I started coming to UBC, I was uh, I was very skeptical, um, just because um, several years ago I had um, totally left the church um, because again I was you know I was struggling with with you know my identity and, and and things like that and you know religion was just not something that that you know was a priority in my life um, and uh, when I moved to Chicago I knew I needed to find something so um i you know i i I spent several months church shopping um i you know went to different churches who were you know uh accepting um or you know that that called themselves progressive um but weren't necessarily progressive um and uh you know uvc was really like my last chance you know i like this was the church that i was you know like it was either this or nothing um, and uh, when I started coming here, Trey was the pastor, um, and uh, I was I was very skeptical because you know again you know you you, you just couldn't be gay and a Christian. Um, so I sat in the back row for you know several months. Um, then when Trey left, um, we had uh, uh, pastors from the other sites coming in and and, and you know uh, doing uh, sermons. Um, it wasn't uh, until uh, Rich um, did his uh, sermon um, and he came out to the church yeah. that um, that was the first time that I actually felt connected to this church yeah. you know and and after that, like I started getting more involved with the church and you know knowing that that this was the place for me and um, the fact that Rich was up here um, you know being so vulnerable um, was so, you know, was, was such a powerful thing for me. You know, because, again, I was at a point where it was just this or nothing. You know, and, and I'm glad I, you know, I stuck around and, uh, and got to experience that. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So we're about to go out. Some of you... Oh, was there something you wanted to share? No, go.
3: <laughs> so I was just thinking about when I was had first come out, and I was... Um, in my first year of medical school, and in between the first and second year of medical school, you actually get a summer break. And so I spent my summer um, volunteering in Uganda, and there were six of us who went. And out of the six of so I was very newly out and trying to figure out what that means to be gay. I didn't really know very many gay people. Um, and out of the six of us, three of us were gay, and, which was, you know, shocking to me because I don't think I even knew two other gay people. <laughs> <laughs> And so the entire summer, we lived as a family, and just getting to know um, the other two women and their experiences and what they really shared, and they were both actually pastor's kids, and so we spent a lot of time talking about that intersection between um, two different worlds and how that mixes, and I can't tell you how much that changed my life, Um, (laughs) coming home and feeling like it's going to be okay. (laughs) Okay.
0: We're about to go out, and if you can't come with us, that's okay. You'll be with us in spirit. We're about to go out and march in the Pride Parade. Uh, we are going to be telling people that we love them, that God loves them, that uh, life is a beautiful thing, and people are wonderful. Some of us will be protesting the protesters that Make Love Louder. There's always a, a Jesus shouting out love there, which is a lot of fun. What is one thing you want to hear us proclaim? today as we go out? What is something we want to be telling ourselves, telling the world, telling God?
4: Um, I think the most important thing for me is that we're not going anywhere. We're, you know, we're here. Um, You know, I, I, um, similar to to John Michael's uh, testimony earlier, you know, I, I, I feel like a lot of times like I have to put on masks around different people and, you know, there, there's no more masks, um, you know, like, um, be who you are, you know, love yourself, um, you know, love others and, uh, you know, we're all human, we're, we're here on this earth and, and, you know, we have to treat each other like humans.
2: Um, I think for me, it's just reminding people that um, God loves them, but also just as importantly, there is no external message and no human force that can ever alter or lessen that love.: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. Thank you. yeah A lot of us have um, learned over years instincts that tell us that uh, we aren't good or we aren't loved or other people can't find love for us, um, and those instincts are not the voice of God. <laughs> The voice of God says, you are my beloved, with you I am well pleased, and sends us out into the world to love other people like that. And so I'm so thankful for each one of you. I'm thankful for this community. I'm thankful for the next generation that's going to teach us a bunch of stuff we don't know about how to love even better. I always wonder, like, what's the, what's the thing that I'm going to be the old fart not understanding about what's important <laughs> to do for justice? I think it's really important to keep that in mind, because the movement's going to keep growing, right? We, we can't stop with what we already know. We're going to have to learn more based on what people tell us, based on what they share. And so we're preparing ourselves to learn more by living into what we've learned already. And I want to thank you all for teaching us today and for showing us who God made you to be.